Yeah, like I mentioned, banks have been historically just a really productive asset for Canadian investors, you know, both from the dividend side as well as capital growth. With ZEB, 25 basis points, that reduced fee. It's an even more compelling tool for investors to have in their toolkit. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Canadian banks continued to beat market expectations handily this quarter, reporting stronger than anticipated earnings on the back of their robust trading and wealth management divisions. The news proved especially timely given that BMO recently lowered its management fee for ZEB, an equal weight bank's ETF, from 55 to 25 basis points. In today's episode, Chris Heeks, Matt Montemuro, and your host Mark Rays discuss the outperformance of the Big Six, fee reductions, the rotation back to long duration, the Delta variant, emerging markets, and much more. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to the BMO ETFs weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO GAM Canada. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We certainly appreciate your time. We're joined today by Chris Heeks and Matt Montemuro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk where Chris focuses on equities, derivatives, and active solutions, uh, where Matt has more of a focus on fixed income. So thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Morning. Good morning. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Good morning to you as well, Matt. Great. Let's get started. Uh, Certainly the topical story in, in Canada this week is Canadian bank earnings where once again, uh, things are coming in very strong, including a really good number posted by RBC most recently. Uh, Your thoughts on what's causing Canadian banks to keep beating estimates? As well, can you comment on ZEB, our equal weight bank ETF, where we just announced a very significant fee reduction from 55 basis points down to 25 basis points? Yeah, thanks, Mark. And start with that fee. Great to see a cut by by more than 50% on the management fee. Um, you know, ZEB and and uh, you know ZWB for that matter. Canadian banks have been great exposures for for Canadian investors. You know, not only kind of through this COVID crisis, but you know, just in general over the long term. Um, in terms of the most recent, you know, really solid quarters. Um, so this is kind of you know, feels like a bit of a broken record, but continues to be very solid. Uh, we've had four of the six banks report uh, so far. BMO and uh, the Bank of Scotia went yesterday. And, and as you mentioned, Royal and National Bank today will have TD and, and CIBC tomorrow. Um, in terms of the four that have reported, they're all, they all beat pretty handily on earnings. Um, decent revenue growth on some of them as well. You know, if you look at kind of the breakdown, trading remains strong, and that's a trend we've seen throughout COVID. Uh, wealth management in particular is, is coming in strong. So this is one nice thing about the Canadian banks is the diversified businesses, and it's nice to see different areas pitching in from quarter to quarter. But, you know, wealth management with, with stronger markets and, and more activity from investors putting money to work, you know, has been a strong segment for all banks. 
Um, the COVID-related pressures continue to ease, so we've seen some um, tailwinds from uh, loan loss reserves being released back into earnings as as uh, the COVID-related loan pressures are were less than expected. So, you know, it continues to be a strong backdrop for, for banks. If you look at most analysts on the street, they have kind of a low teens price target on average across the banks, so called 10 to 15% price targets. Um, so not only is the economic recovery a catalyst, but, you know, we're also looking for dividend increases. It's something you'll see, you know, a lot of the analysts are looking for possible dividend increases. You know, right now, banks, um, for regulatory reasons, haven't been able to, but the expectation is they'll be allowed to increase their dividends, um, you know, in the next three to six months. Timing's a little uncertain, but um, it's likely going to happen. And when that happens, looking at a 10 to 15% increase on dividend yields potentially. So we think it's going to be a really strong um, dividend increase, most likely to bring banks back up to the historical payout ratios. Um, that's going to bring their dividend yield potentially back to that 4% level, which is always a good level for banks. So um, yeah, like I mentioned, banks have been, you know, historically just a really productive asset for Canadian investors, you know, both from the dividend side, as well as capital growth uh, with ZEB, at 25 basis points that reduce fee, you know, it's an even more compelling tool uh, for, for investors to have in their toolkit, you know, equal weight rebalances every six months. So you're always getting that really balanced exposure to Canadian banks and, um, and the equal weight exposure also does pretty well over time, actually surpassing the market cap in at least in recent years. So great tool for investors. And it's nice to see, um, you know, perhaps somewhat selfishly as a bank employee, but nice to see this uh, momentum kind of continuing to uh, to go positively on banks. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And again, a really good story that uh, we're bringing to market and allowing to, I'll say, allowing advisors to really participate and benefit uh, from the growth of the ETF market where we're able to bring that fee reduction um, into play here. We're just moving on. To the next, uh, staying with that same theme, we actually announced a second fee reduction, uh, which was reducing ZMI, our monthly income ETF, to 18 basis points from uh, a much higher previous rate at 55. So again, a significant reduction. And this matches now our more recently launched uh, BMO asset allocation ETFs. A lot of interest popping up on this ETF. Can you comment on how you select ETFs for this portfolio, where certainly the income strategy is catching attention? Thanks. Yeah, and so Mark, you're, you're spoiling us with good news on the product side more, you know, nice, really another uh, great attractive fee cut on ZMI, the BMO monthly income ETF. Um, you know, at 18 basis points, very attractive solution for, for an all-in-one income ticket. Um, ZMI, so it's a balanced ETF. It's a 60-40, so 60 equity, 40 fixed income. So much the same as, you know, our, our ZBAL or ZESG, um, our other balanced asset allocation ETFs uh, at the top level allocation. Uh, the focus here, though, is on income producing ETFs. Um, so on the equity side, um, you know, rather than using broad beta or ESG related broad beta, the focus is on dividend ETFs. So high weightings on ZDV, ZDY, and ZDI, those are our dividend ETFs in Canada, U.S., and uh, international. Uh, then we also supplement in an allocation to cover calls and premium yields. So those are our ZWG, our global cover call, and, and ZPay, 
uh, below premium yield, and that helps increase the yield further. So, um, you know, in terms of advisor interest, I think, you know, probably one thing that's catching their eyes is a strong return. And we've talked on the podcast how well dividends are doing, particularly in the last, call it nine months to 10 months. Um, in the context of this reopening, you know, dividend ETFs have been doing quite well. So I'm sure that's helping kind of peak advisor interest. Um, and, uh, but yeah, overall, you know, on the equity side, you know, it's a real strong level of sustainable income on this, on this product. It's about 4% dividend yield. Um, again, yeah, so the dividends are performing quite well. And they've also given this solution a little bit less risk than that typical balanced solution of Zed Bowers, the ESG. So excited to see the prospects of this one. And, uh, you know, maybe on the fixed income side, I'll turn it over to Matt just to, so you could highlight some of the fixed income investments that we have under the hood here. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. So, yeah, so to, to complement that uh, equity allocation in, in ZMI, you know, we focus on and target, you know, c- corporate and credit exposure and uh, for the fixed income allocation. So, you know, credit enables uh, us to enhance the income potential of the portfolio while still maintaining uh, a lot of the key risk characteristics like duration that we that we want from a more uh, traditional aggregate exposure that we have in some of the other funds like ZBAL, as, as Chris had mentioned. So in our fixed income allocation for ZMI, we use uh, ZCB. So that's our full-term Canadian corporate ETF and ZMU, so that's our five to 10 year US investment grade corporate ETF. You know, both provide uh, significant yield enhancement over government bonds. So we're looking at you know, 65 to 85 basis points of, of enhancement there, and even provide about a 20 to 30 basis point uh, enhancement of uh, extra yield relative to those uh, more aggregate exposures, which, which you'd normally see in kind of these asset allocation ETFs. Now, I think both ETFs provide a very diversified sector and issuer base, uh, and they're very well suited for an income solution for you know, those investors who are looking to maximize yield in, in the current low-yield environment. Now, finally, ZMI also uses ZHP, so that's our, our U.S. preferred share ETF, which is hedged back to Todd, uh, to further enhance the income potential in the portfolio. And ZHP provides a uh, yield enhancement over traditional fixed income, you know, looking at a yield of close to 5.5%, uh, while also enabling ZMI to diversify its income stream. So you know, ZHP, I think, is an excellent portfolio building block as it has low correlations to both bonds and equities, uh, and it makes it a fantastic piece uh, within a portfolio context because you know, it, it enhances your overall yield and improves your overall diversification, reducing risk. So, you know, I think with this uh, fee reduction in ZMI, it's just another one-stop asset allocation solution for for you to choose from. Uh, And I think it's an excellent way to enhance income in your portfolio. So that's kind of a a little overview of just the fixed income allocation of of ZMI. Right. Well, thanks to both of you for commenting on that. And again, another Good news story, and and certainly the the demand for income out there is is not going away. So it's a great all-in-one solution uh, to help address that. Now, turning to fixed income, uh, we're seeing now a rotation back towards full term and even some long-term bonds, as ten-year bond yields have come in, call it forty basis points to around one hundred and twenty. Is this a reaction to the COVID Delta variant rising, or are there other things at play? How does this relate to the inflation concern 
And as you bring it all together, your, your comments on positioning ZAG, our aggregate bond ETF, in portfolios. Thanks. Yeah, so, so Mark, you know, I think we've seen uh, quite the ride for interest rates year to date. You know, this summer alone, as you mentioned, we've seen the flattening of the yield curve by 40 basis points uh, in both Canada and the U.S. You know, a lot of this can be attributed to several things, uh, with I think the Delta variant being, you know, at the center of many of them. Uh, you know, I think the Delta variant's impact on the economic reopening has been immense, just to say the least. I think companies in both Canada and the U.S., you know, continue to push back that return to office plan. Uh, we're starting to see MOS mandates be reinstituted uh, in many states. You know, and, and the numbers continue to rise, especially for the unvaccinated segment of the population. So, you know, these are all uh, challenges that, that I think we're facing right now and, and potentially things that, that we didn't forecast uh, to play us this summer. You know, so I, I think this has questioned the speed of the economic reopening. Um, and I think uh, when looking at uh, you know, the Fed and the Bank of Canada policy, I think this potentially has put into question how quickly they'll be able to act in uh, raising rates. And in the Fed's case, how, how quickly and or aggressively they're going to be able to begin to start tapering. That being said, I do think that some of the flattening has come as a way of a correction. So it's not all Delta uh, variant um, centric. And, you know, I do think that likely earlier in the year, the, the market overshot with a little bit of overly optimistic ex expectations. You know, so I think this, uh, this flattening of the yield curve isn't a full, you know, um, uh, it's, not, it's not fully caused by, by kind of that economic uh, slowdown solely caused by the Delta variant. But I do think that this is a little bit of the pendulum swinging a little bit back as as I think the market was pricing a little bit too rosy optimistic expectations uh, throughout the first, you know, call it four or five months of the year. Um, but from a performance perspective, that has led to longer duration bonds to outperform. And as you mentioned, you know, we continue to see assets flow into these uh, longer duration or more aggregate exposures. You know, I think we've said for much of the year that we don't expect this recovery to be linear, and it's been nothing uh, close to linear thus far. And that we we do expect to see bumps along the way. So you know, this is why positions like Zag as a core component of your uh, fixed income allocation do remain prudent. And I think it's a good risk mitigation strategy uh, as the core of your fixed income portfolio. You know, Zag provides exposure to you know that entire uh, full universe of the bond market, making it positioned well for this type of uncertainty and this type of uncertain environment because it does give you a little bit of a taste of everything so as the market does ebb and flow you know there's something within zag that will help uh, protect you and, and keep you afloat you are listening to views from the desk a weekly edition of the bmo etfs podcast if you're enjoying today's discussion we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of bmo gams product suite Check out episode 83 in the same podcast series where Brian Belsky, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Capital Markets, introduces his new U.S. all-cap strategy. This exciting new ETF, ticker ZACE, ZACE, helps you invest across all market cap exposures to capture growth in companies both big and small. So 
in addition to the Delta variant concerns, you know, inflation has been been the topic on every investor's mind. Um, you know, earlier this year, inflation break-evens were predicting that inflation was coming. Uh, with CPI, uh, that was not uh, CPI wasn't showing much proof of that to start the year. Well, that that sort changed with CPI as of April, and we started to you know we started to see CPI prints higher and higher, and expected inflation became realized inflation, but like, you know basically overnight, and uh, CPI continued to rise month over month with a much more uh, pronounced increase what we're seeing in U.S. CPI versus Canada, but both uh, both much above what I think the Fed and Bank of Canada would like to see. Um, you know, so in, during inflationary environments, you know, it, it's good it's good to understand that that you know obviously they are bad for both stocks and bonds. I think diminishing purchasing power isn't really great for anyone in this case. But that being said, I do think that we you know, are seeing investors brace for a potential longer term or longer periods of inflation uh, by allocating to their fixed income allocations to longer duration exposures, whether that be uh, via ZAG as the core of their portfolio or a more federal focused um, with ZFL uh, or ZTL. The thought process being, you know, obviously inflation isn't great for bonds, but it does provide you from a portfolio context perspective. Uh, if you do expect increased volatility and a pullback in the equity allocation caused by this inflationary environment, you know, you want to use that duration within your fixed income allocation as that ballast to mitigate some of that volatility. So, you know, in an inflationary environment, you know, duration matters and duration helps you navigate, uh, navigate through the, that, that time. So, you know, as your question on Zag, I do think uh, Zag continues to be well suited for kind of the uncertain uh, future that we see ahead. I think it provides an, a, an excellent balanced exposure. It gives you that government duration that you may need if we continue to see uh, prolonged periods of inflation, and it gives you that duration when you need it. You know, I, I do think another complement to to Zag and to continue to fight these inflation fears would be to uh, have a portfolio of, of ZAG and ZTIPS or short-term TIPS ETF, you know, providing that true inflation protection uh, and, and short-term exposure to your portfolio. You know, I think in this type of environment with inflation uh, you know, continuing to rise and, and, and starting to look, you know, I think the, the conversation is still that it is transitory, but, you know, there are some factors that are starting to look more and more concerning. I think looking at something like ZAG and ZTIP within the fixed income allocation portfolio is an excellent way to protect yourself, uh, allowing yourself to, to get that duration exposure, you know, if we do see prolonged periods of, of inflation, as well as having that direct inflation protection uh, from, from TIPS. So, you know, I think that's what we're seeing in terms of Delta's impact, inflation's impact, and, and how I think you can you can um, uh, uh, allocate your portfolio to protect yourself going forward. Great, thanks for that, Matt. Good walk through on fixed income. Let's switch back to equities, where advisors have been asking about emerging markets. There's been a sell-off compared to other global regions. So, using ZEM, our emerging market ETF. Your comments on what is triggering this relative drop, and also what would be a catalyst to turn it back around as advisors think about adding to their positions? 
Thanks. Uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, great question. And, you know, I think we were talking about it last week in one of the question bags. So we'll just kind of continue that conversation. Certainly COVID, you know, is, is an issue globally. But, you know, I think EM is one of those areas where it's a little higher risk and, and that kind of return to normalcy trade probably is going to take and is taking a little bit longer um, in certain regions. Um, you know, although I would note that, you know, I think it may be a little underappreciated that the market cap of EM, which is China's over 40%, um, you know, really not having a tremendous amount of COVID-related pressure, <clears throat> excuse me, within that country. Um, some of the other countries that are, that are higher weights, you know, including in, in Southeast Asia and, and India as well, you know, actually navigating not too badly, certainly better than a few months ago in India. Um, but I think that is still a concern amongst um, investors. To me, the other, the other big concern has, has been just the China and U.S. relations and there's been some saber rattling, some kind of imposition of, um, you know, increased regulations on both sides. You know, I, I, we saw this with Trump as well, you know, the trade wars. Um, you know, I do think these tend to be more um, transitory, to use that language that we use with inflation, more transitory than long lasting. Um, the political issues have to get solved because I think there's a greater interest in in cooperation and in terms of businesses between the two countries. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that that can um, that can um, you know the pressure can abate and will be positive for emerging markets. You know, RBC actually came out this morning with a with a paper saying uh, you know emerging markets is about 20 year low relative to developed. So when you look at catalysts. You know, I think there's a lot of great companies in emerging markets. There's a lot of technology companies now that weren't there in the past. There's a lot of great consumer companies. Um, you know, the valuation is certainly an attractive catalyst. And, you know, I think I think investors are starting to take notice. And there's been a couple large flows into emerging markets and uh, ETFs in the U.S. Um, to take advantage of this um, this kind of um, sell-off or, or valuation relative to other markets. So, yeah, so I think it's a good time to look at ZEM, um, you know, the BMO Merging Markets uh, ETF. It's the largest one in Canada. Again, when we're talking about prices today at 25 basis points, it's a pretty compelling option in terms of uh, some of the, you know, I'd say it's a very compelling option in terms of, you know, other products that are out there and has a really strong track record of uh, kind of second quartile performance, but it's very consistently in that second quartile um, tends not to give as many surprises as, as, as other uh, strategies. So I think it's a, it's a great time for investors and advisors to look at that, see how it can fit into the portfolio and uh, complement holdings. Uh, because, you know, I, I do think the long-term secular growth of emerging markets is a great theme. And, and, um, and, and given that diversification is the only free lunch, I think it's, um, you know, it makes sense for investors to look at ZEM. So, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd be, um, starting to get a little more interested and certainly with the um, inflows happening this week, perhaps, you know, some signals that were closer to the bottom on a relative basis in emerging markets. So yeah, I think it's interesting and um, investors should look at that ZEM. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. I'm going to turn now to a question that was emailed in and this one's around VIX, a spike in VIX up into the low twenties has provided the latest addition in a long history of late summer jitters for Wall Street's fear gauge. What are some of your thoughts around VIX, risk in the market, and current positioning? 
Thanks. Yeah, so I think the uh, the VIX spike that was uh, last week, the Fed released their minutes and kind of an insight into what the U.S. Fed is thinking and and uh, tapering is certainly I think the theme that a lot of investors are, uh, you know, have their eyes on and and the spike in VIX uh, last week to above you know into those low to mid twenties, um, you know I think reflected investors investors concerns about um, tapering. Um, that that may happen perhaps a little sooner than expected, but you know, late late fall I think seems to be consensus. Um, you know, and I, I think that's a uh, you know it's, it's 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 a good barometer to see you know the fear gauge, the VIX. It's always a good barometer to see where investors' heads are at. So you know, as Matt mentioned, I think it's a good opportunity to you know just make sure you're you're true to your asset allocation. Um, you know, as we move into perhaps a little bit of a regime change with, with some tapering next year, um, you know, it's a good good opportunity this fall to true up allocations and make sure you're where they want to be. I mean, you still have to have exposures to equities to get exposure to growth, but fixed income will also give you that nice balance in your portfolio. Um, in terms of, you know, higher volatility, I think, you know, the like I said, the more concerns we have around tapering and, and we'll probably expect some talk to heat up. Uh, probably that VIX will drift a little bit up again, and that's going to provide opportunities of their own. And we always talk about with VIX a little bit higher, it's a good opportunity in our covered call uh, solutions. So um, we've seen strong flows this year in our high dividend covered call suite. We mentioned dividends are performing quite well. And with the volatility profile perhaps drifting drifting a little bit up uh, throughout the fall, you know, could provide a good opportunity to, to earn income on the call side. So that's our ZWC, ZWH, ZWE, um, and ZWG, the global we mentioned um, off the top in the uh, the monthly income. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting market. It's always, um, you know, it's, it's a good metric to look at and, and, and think about the VIX and um, that spike last week. Um, yeah, it could be a little bit indicative of, of things that could be happening later in the fall. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. As you said, a good barometer of the market, a good way to keep a track of uh, what other investors might be thinking as, as potentially advisors reposition coming into the fall. With that, we've, we've covered off the materials for today. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time uh, and, your, and your attention to these calls. Of course, thanks to both Matt and Chris. Some great answers today some good ideas that we can bring back to our own day-to-day and and help us with our own client conversations. So with that, I just want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day. Thank you to Mark Reyes, Chris Heeks, and Matt Montemiro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about Canadian banks and emerging markets on the equity side, which investors can access through ZEB and ZEM, respectively, as well as some interesting reversals in the bond market captured through our aggregate bond portfolio, ZAG. Our experts also discussed the implications of the Delta variant and teased out several possible scenarios for the weeks and months ahead. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance.
Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.